Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 28 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick. And just a few minutes ago, the Rangers dropping a tough 3-2 overtime decision in Boston against the Bruins. Really a game that the Rangers just kind of let get away from them. They came in with the three straight victories, but that comes crashing to a halt here. The Rangers, for the most part, largely dominating the first two periods. I mean, they uh, dominating might be a little bit strong, but they clearly had the better of play against Boston for the first 40 minutes of this game. And then a key sequence late in the second period, getting to be late in the second period, the Rangers get a five-on-three man advantage, and they cannot convert really not even any great scoring opportunities during that, that sequence. And the Bruins kill it off. They end up getting a goal late in the second period to knock it down to 2-1. to one. The Bruins tie it early in the third period. The game goes to overtime, and the Rangers fall there about a minute and a half into the overtime period. Rangers were really let down by their power play today. The man advantage goes 0-6. for 6. They've had a good power play this season. They came in, in fact, ranked 10th overall in the NHL, but just nothing doing here. And it's not just 0-6. for 6. It's, This is one of the few times this season where... You know, they didn't really, I didn't see them really do much on the power play. And they didn't take advantage of those minutes. The Boston took way too many penalties in this game, and we just did not make them pay for it. There were opportunities there to go up 3 to nothing and, and really take this game by the throat. And unfortunately, Rangers just not able to do it. Uh, Bruins' penalty kill was, was good. I mean, you got to tip your cap a little bit. But, you know, the Rangers, when you get six power plays, you, you really got to cash in on at least one of them, especially because this has been a good power play unit this season. And the Rangers have scored a lot of goals, and there's no shortage of weapons out there. And so, you know, they, they didn't score on the five on three. They had over a minute of five on three uh, time to work with. They, they couldn't get it done there. And then late in the game, you know, with about seven minutes left, they there's a double minor against the Bruins. So the Rangers had four minutes of power play opportunity there, and they couldn't cash in there either. And really, on on the double minor, it wasn't until about a minute left in that four four minute power play that the Rangers really did anything. I mean, they finally at least set up on Boston's side of the ice a little bit there toward the end. Got a couple of chances, but you know, just just not good enough for for a four minute power play. And you. If you have a game where you can't cash in on a five-on-three, and we're not talking about a five-on-three that lasts like 18 seconds here. We're talking about a five-on-three that lasts over a minute. They don't cash in there. They don't cash in on the double minor either. A lot of times, you waste that many opportunities, it's going to come back to bite you. It indeed came back to bite the Rangers here. The good news is, with the overtime loss, the Rangers with seven points in their last four games out of a possible eight points, that's pretty good, and it's especially good considering that you know, this stretch, this 3-0-1 stretch that the Rangers are now on came right after their worst performance of the season. So things still looking good for the Rangers. And another piece of good news, they have a chance to bounce back tomorrow against a struggling New Jersey Devils team. They will be in New Jersey for that. The puck drops at 1 p.m. So we'll see what happens there. Hey, you know, if the Rangers win that one, then it's four wins in five games, and it's a 4-0-1 mark in their last five games, and you'll take that. You know, again, this one got away a little bit today, but the Bruins are a good team. They made things happen. It's not all on the Rangers. The Bruins played well to get back in this one. And Henrik Lundqvist had another very, very strong performance today. He made a couple of really nice saves, uh, you know, to preserve the lead at times and then to preserve the tie at, at other times. Lundqvist was great, um, but... You know, it, it got away from the Rangers. This is one you really would have liked to have seen them get two points with. You know, again, you've got a 2 nothing lead with less than two minutes left in the second period. You really got to get a win there. Um, didn't work out. Bruins got the win. Rangers take the point out of it. We'll move forward into tomorrow. But as we usually do, we'll just jump right in here and go period by period and just kind of break down everything that happened in this game this afternoon. 
But one other thing real quick before we go period by period here. The Boston Bruins top line, I didn't know this. I don't know if I just slept through it. Maybe it's one of those things I intentionally stayed away from them. But Pasternak, Marshawn, and Bergeron, they call themselves the perfection line. Doesn't that just make you want to throw up? Has there ever been a more condescending, more pretentious nickname in all of hockey for a line? The perfection line. Cut me a freaking break on that. That is... (laughs) That is brutal, man. I, I don't like the Bruins to begin with, and then you hear something like that, and just like that, it makes you want to see the Rangers beat them even more. Unfortunately, it didn't work out today, but yeah, we'll go ahead. We'll just jump right in here. First period, uh, McAvoy puts a shot on net in the first minute. Lundqvist fights through a screen, steers it aside with his blocker. Again, not a highlight real goalie. You're not going to see this, you know, on NHL tonight or anything like that as like, you know, a top-notch save, but it's a tone setter. You know, Lundqvist was sharp. He fought his way through traffic there, makes a nice save, steers it away. Bruins getting a strong early push in this game. Carlo takes a shot from the right circle, and Lundqvist squares it up and hangs on. And in the first eight minutes or so here, the Rangers, I mean, really, they can't even get possession of the puck, much less, you know, gain the Bruins zone or create any quality scoring opportunities. Back on their heels a little bit, but at the same time, as much time as the Bruins were spending in the Rangers zone here in the first, you know, seven, eight, nine minutes, you know, something like that, they really weren't getting that many quality chances. I mean, a few shots on net here and there, but, you know, Lundqvist is up to the task. And for the most part, the Rangers' strong defensive formation, keeping the Bruins at least to the perimeter. So, yes, the Rangers are back on their heels here, but they are at least preventing, you know, top-notch, high-quality scoring opportunities. Rangers get their first quality scoring opportunity a little bit later in the first period, about like 12 or 11 minutes to go. Buchnevich goes in, and he gets a chance right there from the doorstep, but Halak moves to his left, makes a really nice save, and, you know, the puck kind of just bounced straight to Buchnevich on this play, and unfortunately, he just couldn't quite get all of it, and Halak keeps it out of the net, still scoreless. Bjork fights his way to the net for the Bruins, but Lundqvist makes a nice save in deep. And then Zibanejad passes from behind the net in front to Buchnevich, trying to set him up in the slot there. But Buchnevich, unfortunately, fans on the shot. The puck goes back into the Rangers zone. Buchnevich and Zibanejad, you know, they've got something. I I feel like they've kind of clicked in these first two games here since Zibanejad has been back. We'll keep an eye on that going forward. Looks to be a combination that, you know, kind of is on the same page out there and, and might set each other up for some goals going forward. Again, we will keep an eye on it, but I like what I'm seeing early from that combination of Zibanejad and Buchnevich. Then we get a fight along the boards in the Boston zone, and Bunieves wins the battle, sends the puck back to Truba at the blue line. Truba shoots, and Nieves is right there to try to deflect the shot home, but instead, he sends it directly across the crease. It's not an easy finish there. It's finish a bull, if you will, but Nieves had a chance. He had a defenseman who was all over him, and he, instead of putting the puck home, he puts it basically just straight across the blue paint there in the crease. So he just misses his first goal of the season and just misses giving the Rangers the lead. And then the Rangers get their first power play of the game. Corrali goes off for tripping an offensive zone penalty against the Bruins. He basically just kicked Luber Hayek's legs out from underneath him. And then Corrali's whining in the penalty box about it. And I have no idea why, because if this isn't tripping, then tripping does not exist in the NHL. It's clearly a penalty. Just sit down and do your two minutes. Uh, Rangers on the power play, they don't really get a ton of great chances on this one, although they do do a nice job of keeping the puck in Boston's zone, and when the power play expires, the Rangers keep working, Kako gets it back to the blue line to Truba, Truba passes to D'Angelo in the corner, and D'Angelo is actually kind of skating backward toward the corner, and as he's doing this, he passes in front to Buchnevich, and Buchnevich scores with a wrist shot, 
right from the doorstep. one nothing Rangers. Just over five minutes left in the first period, and that's two more points for Ranger defensemen. They are right near the top of the league in most points from defensemen. And again, a lot of youngsters play in the blue line for New York, so it's great to see you know these guys can continuing to contribute on the attack in the offensive zone. So a fairly strong first period overall for the Rangers. The Bruins did get that early push, but again, Rangers kind of limiting the scoring chances. A uh, couple of block shots from Lemieux. I think the Rangers had four overall, and Lemieux had two of them. And a really nice play by Tony D'Angelo on the defensive end, knocking the puck away on a potential rush to the net. So pretty much a strong first period overall for the Rangers and well-deserving of the one nothing lead as they head into the break. So we jump into the second period, and the Bruins get an odd man rush. Pasternak is about to fire from the high slot, and Strom just basically comes in there and picks his pocket. And then back the other way, Panarin moves right up the center of the ice, passes to his right to Philip Hedl, but Hedl is denied by Halak. We move forward just about a minute or two, and Jesper Foss is trying to pursue the puck behind the boss and net, but Clifton trips him up. He goes off for two minutes for tripping. The Rangers win the ensuing faceoff. Jesper Foss shoots from the high slot, but he is stopped by Halak. And then Fox at the blue line to Panarin, right back to Fox, and Fox takes a one-timer. Kreider is there in front of the net looking for a deflection, but Halak freezes the puck, makes the save through traffic. The Rangers win the next faceoff as well. Panarin centers to Zabanajad, but his shot gets deflected out of play. And at this point, still 58 seconds left on the man advantage. This was probably the Rangers' best power play of the afternoon, and Rangers win another faceoff, but Fox again shoots wide. Fox, you know, he's had a great season. He had a little bit of trouble hitting the net tonight, I thought. He shot wide on a couple of uh, power play opportunities. He's still having an excellent season. I take nothing away from him, but shot maybe just a little bit off for Adam Fox today. The Bruins clear the puck, and that's it for the power play. Bruins get a chance when Pasternak receives a pass in the slot. He tries a one-timer. Lundqvist kicks out his right pad, makes a great stop there, and... A nice defensive play by Buchnevich. He deflects a pass out of the Rangers zone. And then just an outstanding play by Artemi Panarin here. The Bruins clear the puck out of their zone into the neutral zone. And they try to make a backhand pass. And Panarin comes in and just steals the puck. He moves into the Boston zone. He passes to Ryan Strom to his right. Halak makes the save against Strom. But he gives up a juicy rebound. And Philip Heedle is right there. He was following the play. And he just stuffs it in from the slot. Just really Hedl coming in with a full head of steam there and just hammers away at it and knocks it home. And just like that, the Rangers up 2-0 with 13.30 left in the second period. And we talked about this yesterday, but man, Artemi Panarin is like a chess player out there. You know, he sees everything before it happens, and that was on full display here. He anticipated that pass from Boston. He came up and stole the puck, and he made everything happen on the rush then. And a great job as well by Stroman Hedl to react as quickly as they did and jump into the rush with Panarin because that really came from out of nowhere. Panarin just swooped in, intercepted the puck, and he created this entire scoring chance. He passes to Strom, and then Strom is denied, but Filipino with a great job of cleaning up the rebound, stuffs it home, 2 to nothing Rangers. So yeah, Bruins playing a little sloppy up to this point in the game, and the Rangers making them pay for it. The Rangers have been opportunistic. They're forcing turnovers. They're making things happen. And like I said, to this point in the game, it looked good for the Rangers. I mean, obviously, you're up 2 nothing, but beyond that, the Rangers really controlling the play overall. Again, the Bruins had that early push in the first eight or so minutes of the game, but Ever since then, it's basically been all Rangers, and, and everything looks good at this point. Uh, Rangers with the two-goal lead. So we get kind of a chaotic shift here. The Rangers really kind of buzzing in Boston's end of the ice, and Fox passes in deep to Brennan Smith. Smith has the puck on the crease. He carries the puck to his left, and Halak makes the save, and we get a play stoppage just a couple of seconds later, and McAvoy challenges Brennan Smith to a fight. The gloves come off. 
And as they're falling to the ice, Smith absolutely clocks McAvoy with a right cross. I don't know. I'm not really a boxing guy, but yeah, we'll call it a right cross. He, he absolutely just clocked him and five-minute majors for both players. But I love that Smith was just so ready and willing and able to throw down here because the Bruins at this point, they're not playing well. They're a little flat. They're looking for a spark. So if you're the Rangers, you could argue that the wise thing to do is to not fight at all and not even give them a chance to get that spark. But you know what? Brendan Smith says, screw all of that. And he says, if this guy wants to fight me, I'm going to fight him. And he obliges and he ends up winning the fight clearly with a, a big haymaker there at the very end. So McAvoy starts it, but Brendan Smith finishes it. And even up by two goals here, Brendan Smith and the Rangers not going to let the Bruins punk them out. And if McAvoy or anybody else is looking for a fight, Brendan Smith, that's his role out there. He's an enforcer. He's a big guy. And he's not going to back down from a fight regardless of who he's up against or what the score is or what period it is. If somebody challenges him to a fight, it's going down. And then DeBrusque moves in. He gets a scoring opportunity for the Bruins. He kind of moves in from along the boards. He's got a, a tough angle to work with, but Lundqvist makes another nice save, gets a piece of the shot with his elbow, deflects it up into the netting. And then Zabanajak goes in on a rush after the ensuing faceoff. And Grezelek basically just whacks Zabanajak right in the throat with his stick. And I usually give guys the benefit of the doubt on this play because I don't think there's too many players in too many situations that purposely just whack somebody in the face or the head or the throat with their stick. Grezelek did this on purpose. If you watch this replay... Zabanajad is moving in, and Grezelik has decent positioning, but instead of, like, you know, trying to knock the puck away from him or put a body on him or anything like that, he basically just, with two hands, reaches up and just hits Zabanajad in the neck with his stick. And he knew exactly what he was doing here. I'm not giving him any benefit of the doubt. I think this was on purpose. He flat out whacked Zabanajad in the neck, and Zabanajad shoved him after the play stoppage because I think he had a similar thought that he thought this was done on purpose. Uh, regardless, it is a penalty on Grezelik, so the Rangers go to the power play. And this is where, man, you really want to make them pay for it. Unfortunately, the Rangers not able to do it. Uh, this power play was kind of a disaster, and it's really where the game started to turn because the Bruins end up taking another penalty, this time in the offensive zone. And it's the second offensive zone penalty of the afternoon for Corrali. He cross-checks Adam Fox in the back behind the Ranger net, and the Rangers are going to get a five-on-three for a minute and two seconds. David Quinn uses his timeout, uh, you know, looking to set something up probably. It's not a bad strategy on paper, but I don't know if the timeout led directly to this. I thought through through this whole five-on-three of the Rangers trying to be a little too fine, trying to set up the perfect scoring opportunity instead of just, you know, kind of reacting instinctively out there to what's happening and what you're seeing and just letting the puck fly at the net. Bruins get an early clear here, and then Adam Fox can't handle a pass at the blue line, so the puck goes into the Rangers zone again. Uh, the Rangers gain entry again with about 24 seconds left, but Fox and Panarin each shoot wide. The five-on-three ends, and then the power play runs out as well. And yeah, I mean, there, there were too many times here where I thought the Rangers just, just looking for that perfect play instead of just, you know, letting it happen naturally and just firing the puck at the net when in doubt. Yaroslav Halak's a decent goalie, but I don't think he's the type of goalie that you need the perfect setup to score against him. You know, I mean, he's he's had good seasons for the Bruins. He's been all right this year. But again, you know, at some point, man, just just let it rip. Just let it rip. It's five on three. You make a couple of quick passes and then just fire away. Don't try to be perfect. Don't try to be so fine with the puck that you're denying yourself scoring opportunities. So it's getting to be pretty late in the second period at this point. David Pasternak with a hard shot from the top of the left circle and Lundqvist really fights it off. And then the Bruins get to the puck in the Rangers zone and Corrali with a deflection in front of the net on a shot from the blue line. The puck went off of Corrali, hit the post, and fell to the crease. But Lundqvist, you know, scrambling, obviously, he's trying to get to the puck. He's trying to either cover it or, at the very least, knock it out of there. 
and he unfortunately knocks the puck into the net while he's trying to get to it. So just like that, 2-1 to Rangers at this point, and this goal coming with about a minute and 30 seconds left in the second period. Again, you hate to give up those late goals, but the Bruins were kind of buzzing in the final few minutes here. They kind of seem to get a spark from killing off that 5-on-3, and as a result, they score here, and we go into the second intermission. Rangers still up 2-1. to so the third period begins, the Bruins kind of asserting themselves on the Rangers' side of the ice here in the early goings. Buchnevich with a couple of uh, block shots early in the first minute. He continues to play well in this game. And then Lundqvist makes a great left skate save on Grizzlek early in the third period. He deflects it just wide of the net. It's one of those plays where Lundqvist is kind of moving to his right a little bit and then has to stick out his left leg. And like like I said, I, the puck barely, Lundqvist barely gets a piece of it with his skate knocks it out of harm's way. It goes just wide of the far post. And then Ryan Strom zips up the center of the ice. He dishes to his left to Panarin, but Halak makes another save here, keeps the puck out. And a minute later, Artemi Panarin springs Jacob Truba into the Boston zone, but Truba also denied in deep by Halak. And then a, a really a great play by Brady Shea. Again, we were tough on him a couple episodes ago, but I do think he stepped up a little bit in recent games. He denies David Pasternak. Pasternak had kind of gotten behind the defense, and Shea picked his pocket right on the doorstep, knocked the puck to the corner. Unfortunately, this play continues. The Bruins win the battle for the puck along the boards, and there's a puck from behind the net that deflects off of Zabanajad in front and goes right to Pasternak in the left circle. Pasternak shoots from the left dot and scores, and it's 2-2, two to two, less than five minutes into the third period. And really just bad luck for the Rangers on this goal because, you know, Krejci was trying to pass from behind the net. He had somebody there who, who was kind of open, but he missed. I mean, it, the puck did not go where he was trying to put it. it instead, it bounces off of uh, Zibanejad. I believe it caught Zibanejad's skate, and it couldn't have gone to a much worse place because it went right to Pasternak in the left circle, like we said, and nobody was really all that close to him. So he just gets a T1 up, you know, from a, from a high percentage scoring area, and he indeed does score to tie the game. Brennan Smith then uh, made a big hit in the corner, took the puck away from the Bruins. I thought Brennan Smith had a, a strong game in this one, and not just because of the fight, you know. He's on there with that sort of retooled fourth line alongside of Booney Aves and Jesper Faust. And, you know, we could talk about—I want to mention this as well. Jesper Faust recently kind of, quote-unquote, demoted to the fourth line. I don't really see it as a demotion— I think what they're trying to do, and I don't know this for sure, is they're trying to get just a little bit more production out of their fourth line. You know, a lot of—not too many teams out there are going to expect a lot of goals from their fourth line, and I don't think the Rangers are really any exception to that either. But earlier in the season, you know, they were running out a fourth line of Leah Sanderson and Michael Haley and Brendan Smith, and then sometimes Greg McKaig would mix in there as well, and there just wasn't much of a chance that they were going to get any goals there. I do think this is the best— uh, trio of fourth line players that the Rangers have had, Jesper Foss, Brendan Smith, and Booney Aves. And you look at Jesper Foss, I don't think it's a demotion because he's a guy who really can kind of fit in on any of the four lines. And there aren't too many guys with his kind of unique skill set. I mean, he's he's a grinded out player. He's not a guy who got to the NHL just, I mean, listen, all these guys have tremendous skill and ability. Do not get me wrong there. But he's not a guy who's going to dazzle you the way that a Zibanejad or a Panarin is going to dazzle you. He's a guy who's going to get in, go to the dirty parts of the rink, just play his tail off and flat out outwork everybody. And that plays well on pretty much any line because in the beginning of the season, he was out there with Zibanejad and Panarin, and that line was firing on all cylinders, and Foss had a hand in that. You know, it's mostly Zibanejad and Panarin, but Foss certainly pulled his own weight there. And it was kind of an interesting combination because you've got the pure, pure skill of Panarin 
Warren and Savannah Jad Mixon with like, you know, the hustle and the grit of Jesper Foss. But that hustle and that grit, that also plays well on a fourth line. You know, he, he's got to go in there and he's got to throw his weight around a little bit and he's got to establish a four check for the Rangers and just kind of, you know, get his guys going with, with his, you know, just pedal to the metal kind of play that he brings to the table every night. So yeah, Jesper Foss, he has moved around a lot this season. He was on the first line at a certain time. He'll be back. I mean, look, he's not going to spend the whole rest of the season on the fourth line. I think he's kind of a very valuable swing man for the Rangers. You can really put him out there with any two players on any line, and he never feels out of place no matter where you put him. So I don't see it, you know, as a downgrade for Jesper Foss. I think right now with the guys that are healthy, some of the guys they've gotten back, some of the mixing and matching that they've done as far as, you know, bringing players up from Hartford and sending players down to Hartford. I think right now it just makes sense for Jesper Foss to be on the fourth line. And who knows, the next game, maybe he's back on the second line. Maybe he's back on the first line. We'll keep an eye on it. Like I said, I expect Jesper Foss to continue to jump up and down this lineup as the season goes. We will definitely keep an eye on it. I will be surprised if... Okay, so maybe he's back out there on the fourth line for the next game. I do not think you'll see Jesper Foss play the next three games on the fourth line. I think at some point there, he's going to get a bit of a run again as maybe a top six forward, or maybe he's on the third line. Jesper Foss, a very valuable player because of that versatility that he brings you. You can really put him out there with anybody. And then Henrik Lundqvist makes a really nice pad stop on a redirection. Those are always tough, man. You know, you got these pucks, you know, flying at your head at, you know, 100 miles an hour. And, you know, the last thing you need is to then also react to a redirection. But Lundqvist, you know, he reacted here. He got his pad out. He made a really nice save. But the Rangers, the, the Bruins continue to swarm a little bit, and the Rangers take a penalty. It's about midway through the third period, and Brendan Smith goes off for hooking. But kudos to the Rangers for mostly staying out of the sin bin in this game. In fact, this is Boston's first power play of the afternoon. So, you know, again, it's kind of backwards day today, right? Because the Rangers' power play has been very good this season. They kind of let them down a little bit tonight. The penalty kill, eh, hasn't been great. Uh, they went through a really bad stretch not that long ago, although they've, they've started to figure it out a little bit here. And, you know, today... Again, doing a great job of just staying out of the penalty box in general. Hey, if you want a good penalty kill, just don't go into the penalty box, right? Just stay out of there and, you know, you're good. But the Bruins, this they do get on the power play here. The Rangers get an immediate clear off the faceoff. The Bruins came into this at 32% on the power play, and that is the best in the NHL. Bruins are really swarming here. They're kind of showing you why they are so good on the man advantage. But Lundqvist makes a couple of really nice saves, and then the Rangers get clears from Strom and Fast. And Lundqvist makes another couple of saves. I believe the Bruins had four shots on goal in this power play, but Lundqvist denies Krejci a couple of times. And then Truba breaks up a pass, and the power play is over. The Bruins, just a couple of seconds later, however, they go in on a three-on-two rush, but the Rangers break it up. Brendan Smith takes a stick to the face along the boards, and there's some deliberation among the referees here because... Lindholm was tied up with Booney Avis, and it was difficult to tell whose stick it was that caught Smith in the face. They review it, and it turns out that it is clearly Lindholm's stick. So Smith is cut on this play. So not only is it a penalty, but it is a double minor. The Rangers will go on the power play for the next four minutes, and there's just 7.02 remaining in the game at this point. Unfortunately, the Rangers... They really struggle on this power play. I mean, they just can't get anything set up. They have a difficult time gaining entry. As soon as they get into the zone, it seems like the Bruins clear the puck. I mean, God, there must have been like four, five, six clears by the Bruins. It's just clear after clear after clear. And the first minor ends without anything even really resembling a scoring opportunity. The Rangers do finally gain possession, but the guys are a bit too stationary. I didn't see enough, you know, Rangers kind of moving around. Guys kind of, you know, just kind of holding their ground there. And Fox takes a couple of shots, but they go wide. 
and the power play ends. And just like that, the Rangers 0 for 6 on the power play, just not cashing in on their opportunities here in this afternoon tilt with the Bruins. So we've got about three minutes left, and honestly, I'll be honest with you here, guys. I, at this point, just want this game to get to overtime because a couple of reasons, really. Uh, first of all, you get to overtime, you get a point, okay? I, and I know, listen, we were up 2 nothing in this game. I don't want to just lose in overtime. I don't want to just concede losing this game. I don't want to concede giving the Bruins two points and us coming away with one point. But, hey, you know, a point's a point. They all count. If you get to overtime, you're insured of a point. So that's reason number one. Secondly, the Bruins have taken total control of this game since pretty much late in the second period and really for just about the entire third period. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like the Rangers were thoroughly dominated here because they were not. You know, they had a couple of scoring opportunities, but I think if we're being honest, the Bruins had the better of play ever since late in the second period. Really, ever since they killed off that five on three in the second period, the Bruins clearly the better team on the ice. And thirdly... Three-on-three hockey, you know, you get to overtime and you just kind of take your chances. It's something of a coin toss. It truly is anyone's game at that point, so maybe that's when the Rangers can strike. That's what I'm thinking at this point, and, you know, unfortunately, we know what happened. The Bruins end up winning in overtime, but like we said, at least the Rangers do get a point here. But the Rangers do get a decent push in the last two minutes. They kind of keep the puck on Boston's side of the ice here late in regulation. And Jesper Foss and Brendan Smith in the last 30 seconds, these guys are like men possessed here. Uh, in on the forecheck. They really do a great job getting in there deep, throwing their weight around, and kind of keeping the puck on Boston's side of the ice. Boston does break out with it. With about 10 seconds remaining, Jacob Truba makes a great defensive play. He's one-on-one with, with his man, and he just straight up checks him to the ice. The crowd roars, looking for a penalty, but this was not a penalty. Uh, it looked bad because, you know, the player on the Bruins basically just went flying into the air, but there was no tripping, there was no hooking, there was no anything. Truba just flat out bodied him and knocked him to the ice and sent him flying. It was a great play by Truba to prevent one last scoring opportunity for the Bruins, and we are going to overtime. When the buzzer sounded there at the end of regulation, Brendan Lemieux was mixing it up with Zdeno O'Chara because, of course, he was. I mean, we've, we've talked enough about Brendan Lemieux, and, you know, he, he, he won't back down for anybody, even a guy that's got, you know, a foot and a half on him, it would seem, with Zdeno O'Chara. But yeah, we go to overtime and the Rangers roll out a starting three of D'Angelo, Zabanajad, and Panarin. The Rangers win the faceoff. That's always very important in overtime because possession is so key, you know, when you go on into this three-on-three situation. And Panarin didn't take a shot when he probably should have. The Bruins end up going the other way. There's a long pass into the zone, and Lundqvist comes out of his crease fearlessly and just basically dives headfirst at the puck, knocks the puck away, prevents the breakaway opportunity. Buchnevich gets a chance going back the other way. He's right there on the doorstep and somehow put, puts the puck wide. I don't know how he missed, you know, at least hitting the net on this. I mean, I'm sure he's probably just trying to, you know, get the puck around Halak and, and just tuck it inside the post there. But, yeah, just just missed the net there, had a good opportunity. Uh, Buchnevich played a great game, though. I'm not, I'm not going to kill him for this. And then Boston back the other way. Krejci to Pasternak in the neutral zone. Pasternak goes into the Rangers zone. He weaves around Buchnevich and carries it to the goal line. And then he stops and throws the puck back to Krejci in the slot. Lundqvist had really committed to Pasternak. He moved hard to his left there to try to cut him off. And he can't get back into position in time to stop Krejci's shot. Krejci scores. The Bruins win 3-2. to two. So, unfortunate. You know, it's a game that the Rangers really just let it get away from them. And again, they're playing a great team on the road. Uh, I'm not going to kill them for this. I don't think there's anything that the Rangers did egregiously, terribly wrong in this game. But it's a situation where, you know, again, you have a two-goal lead late in the second period. You want two points. The Rangers have to settle for one point. 
So that'll pretty much wrap things up here. As we said, you know, the Rangers are going to be back in action. They have to have short memories. They have to get back out on the ice. They got to play with the same type of urgency that's really been a staple of most of this four-game streak that they're on right now. Again, 3-0-1 in their last four, even with the overtime loss today. So, you know, nothing, nothing, again, nothing the Rangers did terribly wrong here today. They they just, you know, they, they couldn't hold on to a lead. It's a young team. This is going to happen from time to time. The big key is how do you respond? Because if they come out here and beat the Devils again tomorrow— um, you know, it, it's a win against a rival. It's another two points, and it's eight points. Um, excuse me, it's nine points out of a possible ten in your last five games, and that is an excellent stretch. So a big, big game for the Rangers tomorrow. Another test on the road. The Devils have struggled, but it is a road game. It is a rivalry game, and the Rangers are going to need to bring it against a team that I'm sure would love nothing more than to knock off their rivals. So, yeah. We'll be back here with a new episode on Monday to talk about it. Let's get another two points tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to watching how the Rangers bounce back. And again, thank you guys for joining in. Really appreciate it. If you want to send an email to the show, it's LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, guys, thanks for joining. I'll see you next time.